I'm Ren Young. And I'm Katrina Vargas. And this this is That Other F Word. Happy, well, wait a minute. Before I say it, what month is it? Pride month. Happy happy Pride month. (laughs) God willing, we will get this out in June. So. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, definitely. So, um, do you guys have any... Of course, I have a list that'll tell us the answer, but do you guys have any notion of how Pride Month got started? We do. Yeah. I will say, I before we do everything, I think everybody probably, like the people who maybe don't like Pride or don't believe in Pride for whatever reasons, think that it's like a more millennial thing. And they actually don't realize it's their very own generation. Yes. So I just, I would like to kind of, and I know Ren, you're now going to get into it and talk about the history of it. And so Lewis and I, you know, know the whole thing and actually what we're going to talk about, it actually kind of started before what you're going to say and all that, like, but that was like the huge, big movement. But um, yeah, I think the the very people who really are hard on it and knock it are kind of the people who did it. I mean, obviously they weren't the ones um, who started it, but it's their generation, not hours and the youngers so correct very much a boomer thing (laughs) (laughs) okay Renner also for those of you who think Mitch sounds a little different today he does Uh, (laughs) because it's not Mitch it's Lewis Mitch blew us off to go buy records and look at records and lovingly fondle records because it's record day when we're recording this <laughs> so i am inhabiting yeah mitch's man corner we today. Got, uh, yes and the, our original producer lewis so um thank you lewis also for being on with us oh thank you i'm always always happy to join you too we just can't do this show without a y chromosome yeah exactly yeah, yeah. it's yeah. not doable and so, then watch out because the one day that you get me and Mitch together, that's going to be a real party. Yeah, we'll it's going to come I mean, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I feel like I have heard Stonewall riots for like a very long time, um, but I didn't realize, I didn't really know what they were. And I definitely didn't know that that was kind of how Pride got its start. Mm-hmm. But, um, June 28, 1969 was the night of the Stonewall riots. And I think there's a lot of kind of, for people who even know about Stonewall, um, there's a lot of mythology around it. Like if you watch the Drunk History episode even, which is of course the number one source for accurate information in Drunk History. Um, and Wikipedia. Yes. Yeah. So it represents, I think, the common understanding of the Stonewall riots, but not what actually happened. So it wasn't like this was the first in any struggle for gay rights, right? There were actually lots of, you know, if you want to call it a riot, like there was, there was already like a movement happening. There were sit-ins, there was other things. And they were happening because police were going into places where they knew um, LGBT people. There were gay spaces. Yes, they were going into those spaces and, you know, arresting people for things like if, if you presented as a woman for wearing, or if you were perceived to be a woman for wearing less than like three items of feminine clothing, really ridiculous stuff like that. Um, Doesn't sound ridiculous at all. No, no, no. Um, it's sarcasm, everyone. 
<laughs> yeah, they. I mean, they were really raids. I mean, I've been doing a, mm -hmm. a Mad Men rewatch and just I was just on one of the recent episodes where for anyone who knows Mad Men, um, Peggy, who's played by um, Elizabeth Moss on The Handmaid's Tale, um, you know, she they, we, there was just an episode where she goes to and now it was not exclusively like a gay you know, event, but like a very kind of underground sort of party in New York City, and then it kind of ends with a raid. And so that's kind of a, you know, a visual sort of depiction of like what those raids kind of were like. And those raids happen not only to, you know, LGBTQ people, but really anyone, you know, who I think was seen as alternative, or of course, they happen to Black people and, um, you know, anyone who was not within the mainstream norm, um, right. that, that police or politicians or whoever was in power saw um, necessary to break up gatherings. Right. Yeah. And I mean, it, I mean, it's just crazy. So like Harry Styles would be straight up in jail today, right? Like if you right. were um, perceived to be a man and you were wearing women's clothing, you could be arrested. Um, and that's just so crazy to think of. Oh gosh, we're recording an episode later about why we're not using the word crazy anymore, but there we go. Um, <laughs> it's, I no, I, mean, I can't think case, of a word. It's 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 not great. It's not good. <laughs> really bad. Well, it's just uh, here's what's funny. I was it's not funny, um, but to me, I'm like, of course, I was watching this thing where this cop actually had a newborn and he was engaging in um, gay sex, holding it over this guy's head, and then ended up killing him to make sure he could keep his little straight pretend life. Um, and I think that, so homophobia is a whole nother thing we can talk about and how a lot of homophobes are actually closeted machos. Yeah. Um, Cause like, that's a whole thing. And that was like very apparent in this. And I think it started, and I'm like, these guys are raiding because it's like, they're so afraid because they're like a little bit that, you know? I mean, not all of them. Some of them are just machos right or that don't believe in it but but it's threatening the status quo yeah and i think a little bit of threatening the crap they've been hiding that they've been yeah. doing in dark parks and they're like oh crap if i don't start raiding these places they're gonna find out i've been visiting the back alley of them right i think of like the classic example from kind of the the 2000s that pastor um ted haggard do you remember him? Mm -hmm. I like yeah. he used to be in the news a lot because he's a very like vocally kind of anti-gay um, pastor in the South. I don't remember. I think he's maybe from like the Carolinas or something. Um, but then eventually, right, like it came out that he was, you know, soliciting um, male sex workers. And, and then and then, you know, of course, he spins it into a whole, you know, going on Dr. Phil and all of this stuff and his challenge and making it all about him. And it's like he's done so much of this damage, damage that is, is grifting off of it after the fact. And so, you know, and, and then it just it becomes very clear that all of that kind of vitriol was coming from that place of of deep, deep, deep insecurity and, and shame, which yeah. is really unfortunate. Or doth protesting too much these. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think if you are someone who knows about Stonewall, probably the name you're most familiar with is Marsha P. Johnson. If you're a little more educated, you heard the name Sylvia Rivera. They're both credited with starting the riot, 
although Marsha P. Johnson admittedly didn't get there until after it had already started. Um, and Sylvia Rivera also has said she didn't, she threw the second whatever. It's also not clear what was even thrown. So people talk about bricks being thrown and there being a construction site nearby. But I watched this video that had people who were, you know, historians, but also people who were actually there that night. And they were like, I didn't see any bricks. <laughs> there were stones, maybe there were bottles and shot glass. Like, it's kind of unclear what actually happened. Um, there is a woman, Storme Delarvieri. Um, some people think that it was she who actually kicked things off, but I think we'll never probably really know. Um, and there are like funny memes about um, <laughs> like who, th who threw the first brick. Like people say like uh, Jason Mraz threw the first brick, Judy Garland threw the first, like people just like make funny stuff up. What a fun, um, what a fun group that though, that nobody's just like, look at me, I'm the one who did it. Everybody's kind of like, we don't know who started no, it. Like who did it? I don't know. It started and like we, <laughs> we started. Yeah. So we all collectively started something, not one somebody. It's kind of a cool uh, family camaraderie that you don't see a lot. A lot of people, you know. So even cooler, um, this quote riot or rebellion as some people like to call it included rocket style kick lines, many of them. Magic. And they were singing like, we're the Stonewall girls. We wear our hair in curls. We don't wear underwear to show our pubic hair. <laughs> uh, it was really cool to like watch them like talk about that night. Um, That's obvious. Okay. So let's, I mean, obviously the three of us are a big fan and love it. And I love that um, a group of people could learn to celebrate something that had, they had been so um, repressed about it, it was kind of like this one big giant coming out party. It's yes. like how I kind of see it. Right. It well, like, and that's happening while the police are there in riot gear. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's nuts. Um, some other common myths around it are that Stonewall was this like amazing gay bar. Um, the guys who were there were like, no, no, there were much better bars. Like there was one called Cherry Lane, very close by. It was actually run by the mob. Uh, it was run down. The drinks were like, very a lot of ice and water in the drinks. Um, <laughs> it was like a two star on Yelp. Right, basically. <laughs> like the right yeah. home of yeah. Another thing. No Michelin stars. Right. No. Another thing is that a lot of people promote the idea that it was inspired by the death of Judy Garland um, because it had happened, I think, like the day before the day of had been her funeral. And that is really like, I think, dismissive of the plight that these people were going through if it wasn't because this lady died. Although I'm sure that that was on their minds, but that's not what led to Stonewall. It was the, you know, constant harassment by police. Uh <laughs> well, and maybe, maybe there was some level of it that, you know, maybe they were at an, a higher emotional state. Um, and so that was what it was like, you know what, one of our great icons um, who was an ally for us, at a time where allyship also didn't exist. Um, and, right. you know, she dies, you're, you're already emotional. And now you've seen one of your friends pulled from a bar for the, you know, 10th time and you're done. And so you're like, maybe, so maybe it, it did kind of, but not her death didn't precipitate it, but it may have been one of the things it wasn't the catalyst, but it, it was a, a an emotion that helped to fuel 
this big movement, you know, helped just helped everybody get really rowdy because they were like, yes. What was interesting is that whole idea actually comes from uh, like an op-ed or letter to the editor, something that was written at the time by a conservative who mentioned Judy Garland's death as a way to like kind of mock the protest. Um, So I think that's right. Because it's like a way to, you know, trivialize and say, Oh, look at how silly and, you know, vain and, 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 you know, unserious these, these gay people are that, you know, that the death of a, of an actress would precipitate such, um, such kind of, you know, behavior. Exactly. And you see, I mean, you still see those media tactics being used today mm-hmm. in how people dismiss, you know, organized, um, organized movements. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, it's always, it's funny, it's always too, we have too much of an emotional response, right? But then your rea- reaction is much more emotional than our march. <laughs> right. You know? you're over emotional about the whole fact that we're doing this. I think about like the women's March, right? Like what all of the kind of right wing media latched onto was the hats. It wasn't, it wasn't at all anything that, that was what the, the women's March was actually about. It was, Oh, look at all these, you know, silly women with their, you know, their unshaved legs and, you know, they're, they're no bras wearing these, you know, pink pussy hats and, and how silly they are and how we should just be able to dismiss it based on that. Right. Uh, And it worked with so many people. And that's the thing is like those, those, that's why those tactics are still around because unfortunately they still really work with people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So interestingly, um, Bill Clinton made it official in 2000, Gay and Lesbian Pride Month. And then Obama made it even more inclusive in 2011, Lesbian, Gay, Bisexual, and Transgender Pride Month. Um, what's even more interesting is there's been like a lot of discussion around Pride this year. Because, you know, of course, there probably was a lot less activity last year because of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's coming back this year. Mm-hmm. But there's been a lot of question around police involvement because obviously, you know, it began in this time of like struggle against the police, but the police have been in years past, you know, present just like they are at other parades and events um, to keep the peace. But I believe it was in New York, they said that this year they wouldn't be allowed to be there in uniform, if I remember. Well, okay. So I've, in 2019, um, Donnie, our niece Mia, and I walked in our pride parade here in Knoxville. I will tell you that walking not only in a pride parade, but walking with two brown people, I had a level of concern. Sure. Um, I told our niece to stay in between us at all times, and no matter what, she was to listen to anything I said, even if it sounded crazy. So if I told her to lay down, if I jumped on top of her she just needed to and I walked on the outer side of the parade because I am the whitest of the three of us obviously um because I was I wasn't sure how our kind of backwards East Knoxville or East Tennessee would would react right um you know they're anti-gay they're anti-brown they're anti all these things right well what I see there is thousands of people marching and lined up I see a man with a shirt that says redneck, but not backwards. And he was this big burly white guy, like drinks PBRs and stuff, you know? And he was like, man, I fucking love gay people, you know? Like, and I was like, 
cool. Like, right. So my, my, I also have prejudice. Right. Um, and it, it did help me be kind of aware of that too. Um, I hugged a very young girl sobbing on the side of the road. Um, and I saw these really beautiful things. I don't know that it, I noticed a cop didn't matter. They didn't matter. So if they existed and now, of course, this is kind of pre George Floyd, all these things where we're really like anti-cop right now. Um, and then um, we got to one spot and there were eight protesters. <laughs> we were thousands of people of all kinds, shapes, sizes, race, levels of gayness, levels of straightness. I mean, you I, literally. And genders. Everybody. Yes, we had people who were halfway transitioned, all the way transitioned, no transition, you know, whatever. And there were eight sad ass people there who were just barely even organized enough to actually be protesting. It was, I, was, I actually ended up embarrassed for them. Well, and the irony, I always think the irony of these people are probably the same people who talk about cancel culture on yes. social media and how, you know, and how the, the leftist liberal woke Twitter is just canceling everyone. And look, like, I know you all have talked about this on this podcast and we've talked it separately. Like there definitely are, you know, issues with cancel culture and, and there are nuances within it and there are ways that, you know, we should, Really, it can be criticized absolutely without being um, completely dismissing the idea. But you know, these people who who probably at the same time are very against cancel culture, trying to cancel you know pride in their their small group of eight, always just strikes me as like extremely ironic. Well, it is, and it's and it's sad. I'm like, it's so sad. You guys couldn't even or like we were able to organize this movement. <laughs> you and couldn't you get more than ten in the double digits. Yeah, like. <laughs> eight people like literally yes you couldn't even get in the double digits i almost yeah. didn't notice them and then i'm like oh they're in all black like and they're oh they're holding up like a notebook paper that said something stupid and i was like we've got a banner that's you know a hundred feet wide um you guys yeah. need to get your shit together or maybe yeah, just like, go home. <laughs> maybe, like, let's not embarrass ourselves and just be hateful from your couch like you usually are. I mean, now I'll say, you know, I really hate that because I'm like, oh, you stand behind your social media and just, at least they showed up. So I, I do have a level of respect for them actually not just doing it on social media, like anonymously. They stood there right. with their faces out and were pissed off. Okay. Um, but like, really, guys? Could you yeah. have not found the rest of your clan members and gone out? Like you couldn't have gotten like the five by eight poster board from from Staples for like ten bucks and Dollar Tree. They're a buck. They're a buck at Dollar Tree, and they're like yeah. at least three by three. Like, come on, guys, put some effort. Yeah. Put a couple, like, put some thought into this situation, guys. Yeah. I mean, if any, you know, if anybody needs somebody to tell them how to. Um, you know, properly put together, well put together, you know, aesthetically pleasing kind of sign like, hey, you know, they could have gotten some some help right there. I was, there's <laughs> a video. Difficult. Yeah, it would yeah. be difficult like to, because like you can't show up to a pride event to protest and use like any color on your sign, right? No, yeah, that's true. Yeah. No, but I mean, a well tasteful black and white sign, maybe I, I just, right. 
it's kind that of cracks like, me up that they were wearing all black too because it's like they were in mourning. I mean, yeah. like, well, but like to be standing. I mean, I was always hot in in Knoxville when uh, I was in there. June. Like, and so to be there in June wearing all black like that, like you know, just making yourself extra miserable. I guess that's how they like stroke the misery, right? Well, it's always comical, right? And I'm like, you realize that all these people in this group, like, are all we are really talking about here is like a big group of love and kindness okay it, it's really beyond like we're just we're gay or we're trans or we're things we're just kind of about just love kindness and acceptance how are those bad things right right i mean and you've tried to take this great big beautiful i mean it was so you know and like my niece when i i had i mean this this poor girl is just sobbing crying tears i mean crying tears and i went you know i i had to hug her i needed her to like know that i understood and like get it out like get it out like this is the place this is the time do it and you know and i told her that she was loved and i and i like took her and i was like you know this is for you because you obviously needed this parade and I don't know what was going on. And, you know, I don't know who this kid is. I'm, you know, and I may have seen her again. I probably have not. Then my niece is like, what happened? What'd you say to her? I said, well, she just, she needed a hug. She's like, yeah, that happens sometimes. You know? <laughs> I do love at those like pride marches and other events where there are parents there, like older parents who are like, if you have been rejected by your parents, come give me oh, a yeah. hug. I, I'll be your mom. I'll accept you. I think that's really beautiful. I saw a vintage photo of um, it probably from maybe like the seventies, but I saw it on Twitter the other day of parents marching in a pride parade, but again, back in like the seventies um, and, you know, holding signs, you know, things like, and things that like sound very mild by today's standards, but back then things like I love and accept my gay son um and so I just think you know like you know a lot of there is like a lot of discussion to be had about you know we can't judge people from earlier time periods based on today's standards but I think things like that you know show that even in even in the olden days you know quote unquote there were always people who you know, and maybe who knows what kind of journey those people went on in coming to acceptance. But there were there've always been people who have known kind of what the right thing is to do and who have always done it, even even when it was extremely difficult. And I thought I just you know seeing that picture and seeing that history really, um, I thought was 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 powerful for me and seeing how much it's grown since then into what it is today in so many different cities around the U.S. and around the world. Yeah. Well, see, in like, um, I, you know, I wedding coordinate and I, and there was this, this like rental mom and she will stand at gay weddings that parents have, won't be there. Do you have to pay her though? No. Okay. <laughs> no, it's not a capitalist kind of thing. It's just okay. a, I will be there to support you emotionally as a parental type figure. And I'm like, okay, sign me up, sign me the fuck up. Where, whose parent do I need to be, you know? Yes. Also, being part of a wedding, especially at a role like that, not a small ask. No. <laughs> no. Mother of the bride, mother of the groom, father of the bride, father of the groom, not a small ask. It's, it's so funny. Like when I, um, I guess because of where I grew up, it just never occurred to me to be 
anything but okay, right? And so, and I'm like, yeah. and like, even, you know, so my best friend is married to a woman in Canada. They have two daughters, you know, and, and so Vancouver is like this wonderful place, um, very accepting and stuff. And, and she, you know, I've only seen her cry like four times. And one of those times is when her mom died. And then one when I, when she came out to me and I had absolutely like no reaction. Um, she's like, and I'm like, you really, did you think that I was going to be upset? Like, no. And she's like, so then we had a conversation later. She's like, why are you so, so okay with it? I was like, why, why, why would I not be like, you were okay with me being straight. Like, I don't, why are like, and she's like, I don't know. I just, and I was like, well, and it's why we've been friends for 30 years. So like 30 actually longer. Um, I won't even say it out loud because that's too long. I can't possibly be that old, but you know, I'm like, <laughs> why is this such a problem for people? Like, it's, right. amazing, it's yeah. so much. I'm like, no matter what you say to me, none of it makes sense to be why this is a problem. Well, that was kind of my reaction when I had a friend come out to me too, because he like, when they did it, it was so like, it was such a rot thing for them. It was a hard yes. thing to do. And I said, is that it? Because I thought there was something else really bad coming next. Yes. And, I thought you were going to tell me it's fucking cancer. <laughs> like, don't do this to me. Yeah. I'm super happy right now. I thought you had like terminal illness. Get the fuck out of here. But, I mean, I think it's tough too, though, because like, so for anyone who's listened to the previous two episodes that I was on with you two, um, they'll know, they may remember that both of my parents are gay. And so, you know, I was born in 1995. So I, you know, my parents were um, kind of in that, you know, I don't really know for sure, but either like the first or kind of second generation of, you know, of like gay couples having um, or LGBTQ couples having, you know, kids in like broad numbers. Um, like the nineties were really when started that kind of started adoptions started going up and then into the thousands. Um, and growing up, it was interesting because like when I grew up in Illinois, we grew up kind of on the, the farthest, you know, suburb of Chicago land, you know, right kind of on the border between farmland and then the suburbs and like the elementary school I went to was like a very accepting place. And I never, felt like it was something different or like that I stood out like as far as I knew all of the parents and all of the kids there were accepting everybody knew I had you know two dads and it was never a big deal and then when we moved to Maryland when I was in sixth grade um, I don't know I, I don't I honestly just don't remember if there was like a point at which someone said something or something like changed for me. But I remember it started in Maryland where suddenly I was very self-conscious and I was like, nobody from school can ever find out because if they do, it's going to be bad for me. Um, and so I would just, you know, throughout my, and then especially when we moved to the South to Chattanooga, when I was a sophomore in high school, I mean, that only like tripled, um, and so for the longest time, I mean, as a teenager and a preteen, I was just so terrified to go anywhere locally with them. Um, I was scared to go out to eat, scared to go to the grocery store, errands, anything like that, because I'm like, if we run into somebody, you know, it's, that's going to be it. Then the rest of the rest of high school is going to be, be hell for me. And I only had one or two situations where I ever did run into somebody 
Um, and then I would have to come up with like this whole convoluted story. And it's something I'm really ashamed of as an adult, but you know, as a teenager, you know, mm -hmm. I'd be like, oh, well, one of them, you know, he's actually like my uncle or something. And, you know, or he's like our, you know, a cousin, like an older cousin or something. Um, and, it, and, you know, I was ashamed at the time too, but it's like, it was this very, it came from this very like. Self-preservation. Self-preservation kind of place. Yeah. And then I found in college that like, even though it like, didn't really matter anymore, I still, it was still so ingrained in me. And so like, Rin knows this because Rin and I worked together pretty much throughout my entire time. And we were college. good friends. And we were good friends. My parents. Yeah. yeah, I never told Rin or my supervisor, who's also a good friend of ours, um, until right until I was gonna graduate. Like literally, like, the, like I held on to, off from doing it as long as humanly possible it was literally like the day or two before I graduated I knew her and my supervisor were were gonna be there and then I got them in a room and I was like look I really have to tell you something and and again like I don't know why I was so scared to do it I mean I knew by then that they were both like safe people accepting people you couldn't get more accepting than like Rin and but still, like, I was super scared to do it because I was just like, what if? Like, there's always that lingering, like, what if? Well, so this, um, this kind, that kind yeah. of, I'm not going to lie, though. That kind of, like, that upsets me in the same way that when people are like, well, I have to tell my parents I'm gay. I don't think you should have ever had to tell anybody because I've never told my anybody that I have two straight parents. We have 10 minutes left, by the way. <laughs> I never told anybody I was straight. I didn't have to go home to tell my parents I was straight. So I don't think gay kids should have to go and be like, okay, by the way, mom, or, and then I don't, why you had to have pull them into a room to specifically say, by the way, I've got two dads. Like, well, cause I knew they would meet them at graduation. But like, so yeah. they're like, this is my dad, Bill, this is my dad, Bob. And like, cool. Well, he also, like, so if, if he had just been like neutral about it, Lewis, and I think probably uh, Roger and I probably knew something was different. Like I, I knew something was up. Because <laughs> <laughs> those parents, parents, he had like parents. worked really hard. Like he had like a whole like situation, right? Like if I was like that, I could have had like a whole wall of like you know, like when you're trying to like investigate a killer. Yeah. Like, <laughs> on this day, like, it's like that <laughs> gif of Charlie Day from It's Always Sunny that people use. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Well, this day he said his dad did this, but this day he said his dad did this. This can't be the same dad. <laughs> two dads, two different places. Yeah. Um, I think, so this leads right into like all this like shame and stuff. Because yeah. that's what that is. That's shame, right? And like, I think what you're doing is carrying on the long tradition or did was carrying the long tradition of like the same shame that everyone who is LGBT has probably felt um, and going back you know, decades and hundreds of, like forever, forever. And that I think, so my last thing I want to talk about is why Pride Month is necessary mm -hmm. because I think a lot of people don't understand. And this is why it's because this we're not why. taught, straight people are not taught to not be proud of that. Um, you're not necessarily taught to be proud of that, I hope, but like, we're not taught that we're supposed to be ashamed of that by whether that's by your parents or by society or peers or whoever pride is is freedom it's a release from what you, told you can't be 
And it's, it's also not only like a feeling thing. I wanted to, before you guys respond, I wanted to read off some stuff. Um, You know, of course, you know, all LGBT people have probably faced some sort of um, harassment or, or, you know, in some way, but uh, really right now, trans women are like this is this is not just feelings this is like in real life there is danger there's discrimination it's only in the last couple of years that the supreme court said you couldn't be fired for being gay um for your sexuality in general but um in 2021 we've already had at least 28 transgender or gender non-conforming people fatally shot or killed by other violent means um at least because the stories often go unreported the majority of these people are people of color in 2020, the Human Rights Commission tracked a record number of violent fatal incidents against transgender and no- gender nonconforming people. A total of 44 fatalities were tracked. Um, it was the most violent year on record since they started tracking these crimes, which was only in 2013. So we're going up. It's, it's still higher and it shouldn't be. And it should. I mean, I just don't know why we can't live and let live. I mean, I don't agree with a lot of things and I don't go out harming people because of them. Um, and so I, I, my understanding for you not liking it or understanding is pretty much zero, but I do know that we all do have things that we don't really agree with or necessarily like, I'm not going to go kill an anti LGBTQ person. Right. Um, and I don't believe in them and believe what they, so why, why is it, a, you know, like, why are we doing this? Right. Um, we've got to stop that kind of stuff and like say, you know what, maybe not for me. Um, you know, I've said it before. If you don't believe in gay marriage, don't marry a gay person. Mind your own genitals. <laughs> mind your own damn genitals I mean, and, yeah. and, I, and and pride is and so I mean I think we should end on pride is a great thing and it's why it's got such a good strong word right yeah. like it was pride is a good and I, I'm a prideful person um, and so it took it from being kind of a bad thing because pride you know sin pridefulness whatever but it took it and made it such a good and positive thing and you know like good and it's 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 en masse and you see all these people full of it like love and happiness and then eight protesters so yeah i, I consider yeah, that i mean we're winning yeah, i think so too and just i mean i see that in what you're saying just freedom and we're winning i mean we were in bar harbor maine last september for just kind of a quick family vacation and we went out to eat one night and we noticed a gay couple with two little kids at like the table over and my parents looked were giving them looks like they were kind of like exotic you know animals because that's the thing like again like they're from a different generation they were like yeah. oh another gay family with their kids out to eat um and i was like yeah that's kind of normal now like that's it is family it's not like a ones anymore. Like a moment you know yeah. yeah but it was a really nice moment because i was just thinking like i just hope that we're in a place where those kids and I think I see this a lot with my brother, like my brother, my youngest brother, who's in eighth grade, going to be a freshman in high school, all his friends know, as far as I know, that our parents are gay. And so just being able for, for kids to live in a world where they don't have to have those fears and kind of worries and all this convoluted, like confusing, made up, you know, <laughs> backstories and bullshit that I had to do growing up will be great. Right. And for and of course, for LGBTQ people, like LGBTQ TQ people are just normal people. They just want to go out to eat and go to the store or whatever, go grocery shopping and, and not, not feel like they're on display at the zoo or like people, you know, are actively wanting to 
hurt them or worse. And so they just want to exist without having to deal with buttheads all the time. Yes. Yeah. And so um, for, I don't know, if you don't watch this, you'll see Lewis has a shirt that says love makes a family. And so that's a big, you know, I've always said your family's the people who you choose to be your family. And I think that's much more powerful most of the time than blood. Um, and so, because, you know, again, in Lewis, you know, you come from a really cool and diverse family of, you know, um, multiracial, multi, you know, all that kind of, co- like, yeah. there's just all kinds of things. And that's, that's really cool to me. Like, that makes all of you all so cool and interesting. And, and it's like extra love, you know, to me. So, um, and it wasn't always cool to me growing up, but I'm so no. glad that we're in a world now where I can be proud of it and it is cool not only to other people but to me too yeah so that I mean that's what you know pride and all of that is has meant to me is coming to that feeling of liberation and and freedom just to feel like any other family great I love it I love it love you glad everybody's here Okay, so we'll put up some cool links. I found this really cool article that I'll put up too that I really liked. It kind of goes into like the history of Pride too. Rin has a couple. Um, we'll put them all up on. Well, I hope everybody will watch the YouTube video that I talked about that will be in our, um, in the it'll notes. It'll be also, yeah, it'll be on our notes. It'll be on the website. Um, and so our website, you know, that other F We're on Instagram, that other that other F word pod, Facebook, um, like, subscribe, do all those fun things. Pop quiz, Lewis. What should everybody remember? That feminism isn't a bad word. And pride, pride is the best word. Is <laughs> <laughs> all right, y'all. Next time. Bye. Bye.